Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. advice from old pro turkey hunters like this the turkeys typically don't like i think more times than not to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning especially after he gets up it's a blinding thing it, it it's just like you it's hard for you to see into the sun mm-hmm. so if i have a choice i'm going to try to make it so that i'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 452, Fall Turkey Hunting with Roger Parks. And I am your co-host, and the guy who saw quite a bit of wild turkey sign this past weekend while doing a work weekend at the hunting camp and i'm your co-host and the guy who's a little darker suntanned relaxed ready to roll man ready to talk about some wild turkey action that's it that's all i could think of while i was there nice and relaxed but man i was ready to get home and start scouting for fall gobblers rogers got up yeah so how was the trip? Man, it was great. Weather was perfect. Rained the day we left, so that makes it a little easier to leave. Yeah. And kids did good. Josie, her two-year-old molars are coming in. So she is having some trouble sleeping right now, but mm. it was still a fun time because, you know, even if you don't sleep well at night, it's not like you have a tough time sitting on the beach for eight hours doing yeah. nothing in a chair. <laughs> yeah. 
it's still pretty easy to do that. Yeah. But, you know. I wonder if that's what my problem is. I wonder if my two-year-old molars are coming in. That's probably been it. I mean, it's been several years that they've been coming in for you at this point. You've been pretty pretty codgery for, for many a time now, but maybe they'll pop on through finally. Pretty grumpy, I can say that much. Maybe those molars will come on through now. Tammy would just, she'd be beside herself if that happened. She may not like you anymore. She might like your angry side. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear you're seeing some turkey sign. Would you find some feathers? And I guess they're starting to probably molt a good bit right now. Yeah, man. I I was in charge of spreading clover in the food plots. Nice. And so we didn't plant food plots with clover, you know, like only clover. We just added it into the, or I should say we top seeded the clover after we covered the seed the oats and everything else that we put out and so my feet covered a lot of food plots about 18 of them wow on saturday and there were not very many that didn't have at least one turkey feather that had been chopped up with the bush hog and then run over with a disc nice it's a good sign so and of course you know a little bit of fresh turkey tracks here and there that kind of thing but yeah it's it's good so i talked to one of the other members of the club and he said yeah we got i got a bunch of of trail cam pictures of poults oh heck yeah you know that's encouraging yes it is yes it is it it's like the poults came out of the woodwork late this year. I thought it was a terrible hatch, and then all of a sudden I started seeing several. Yeah. So, so a lot of late ones too, which is interesting, but but I'm just glad to see them always. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, man. That makes me smile. Yes, it does. Well, we've got part two. Hey, I thought you said you were going to do a countdown. I am. You won't <laughs> shut up long enough for me to do it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, goodness, we are. This This is just another reason why I'm a little bit giddy. It's so funny to say it, too. We're 180 days, 9 hours, 56 minutes, and 8 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. Six months. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I think we're 382 days from opening day in, in Tennessee. <laughs> Put the delayed opener. That's right. That's it's right. A little over a year from now. Yeah. Well, at least you'll be able to enjoy your Labor Day weekend out turkey hunting. <laughs> your spring turkey hunts on Labor Day weekend in September. No, I think <laughs> if y'all are there, we should be right at 200 days. Look, yeah, 199 days, eight hours and 56 minutes. That is cool. Yeah, that's that's starting to sound a lot better. Sounds it a lot better. Sounds way better than 300 days. Yeah, that's that's when it's the worst. When you're in the 300s, it's a, a long way. Yeah. But that's awesome. Well, it for some people, not everyone, but a small faction of those who turkey hunt, some people get out and enjoy chasing them in the fall. And that's what we're going to talk to Roger Parks about in part two again this week. And here's some spring stories. Mm-hmm. Even if you're someone who lives in a state that either doesn't allow fall hunting or you're busy chasing the woods carp, 
or you just don't like to go fall hunting, whatever it may be, you can pick up some great tips from Roger this week on spring hunting and tactics using gobbler to gobbler talk for spring turkey hunting. And yes, indeed. it's pretty good stuff. He's the man. I've been chatting it up with him a little bit, trying to get some insight myself from him. He's a wealth of knowledge, and he means it when he says he'll help people. Yes. Yeah, he is very open and willing to share. And, you know, that's, we've talked about this before, that's more common these days than it has been in the past. But, you know, it's it's often rare that you find somebody like Roger. So, he's a good one. Yes, absolutely. What do you think? You want to do this? Let's do it. See y'all on the other side. Describe to me what a fall morning is like for you in a fall, I guess just an entire day. What is your approach in in trying to get a fall gobbler? Are you trying to get a rooster tonight? I do a lot in the fall. Like like if I was running and gunning in in the spring, trying to locate birds by moving, Mm -hmm. I do the same thing in the fall. Unless I know... Unless I got a predominant good idea, if I know where there's gobblers at, say I got a tip, or I've seen gobblers sign in an area. But what I do, if, if I'm going blind and I don't have, if I'm going into a place that, that I haven't done much scouting and that if I'm doing, I do a lot of blind call, just like I would do in the spring. And what I do is I, I do it on a long box that's got a, a Jake Yelp in it, but I do that two-note key and I go right into a Jake Yelp. I do the same thing on my gobbler call. Mm-hmm. If I get a response, if I know it's gobblers responding to me, because if you know what a Jake Yelp sounds like, if you know what a gobbler Yelp sounds like, a hen Yelp ain't even close. Once I get that response, then I set up and do my gobbler stuff. But I've had them already. I've had birds gobble to me when I've, you know, Jake Yelped as I'm blind calling and going and going through the woods and stuff and do a little Jake Yelping and I'll do a little Jake scenery where, where I do a couple of Jake keys and I'll go into some Jake Yelps and, and put a little more excitement into my Jake Yelps. And then, like I said before, I'll take that box and gobble on it. But what I'm doing is trying to get a response. And that's that's usually, you know, how I do as far as blind calling and stuff. And it's been very effective for me. Um, I know the first year that, that I took my aluminum lid long box that I built one that had a a decent Jake Yelp to it. I know that year there out of four, four different States that I hunted, that's what I was doing. And I was doing a two note key on a, on the, on the side of that box going into a real loud course, Jake Yelp. And in four States, I killed five longbeards that fall. Wow. And, and I thought, you know, I thought, well, this, this, I mean, that was the, by far the best fall I ever had, um, with that many gobblers. Now it it didn't work as good as the next year did, but I mean I was still killing birds that way, and so when I get into that that sequence and that scenario, this works. So are you going to stop doing it? You know, but but basically, and I just could not believe it why they were responding to that box like that there, but it worked, and I did not stop doing it, and so I still use that scenario or that sequence. Um, in areas that, you know, if, that if I don't know a whole lot what's going on in there and stuff, but it's better off. It's better off to know, know, uh, know what's going on in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So you'll, I mean, I would imagine 
in the fall you're sitting there running and gunning on a ridge and you key and jake yelping a turkey gobbles i bet that gets the heart rate going pretty good well when you get a response like that there and and as and as hard as it is to to get anything out of them yeah i mean not that that was even even in my earlier years when we were hunting turkeys i always always thought a key key run was better than a gob mm. in the fall i mean Back in the early days when I was building key strikers and running on a glass cow, I mean, at that time, the turkeys are way different than now. At that time, when you got into a flock of turkeys and you could key, you, you, you had your way with them. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. And the, ver- the birds then were very responsive. They were very vulnerable to key runs, okay? And then you take when I would go to New York State, I had four guys, you know, there was usually four of us that hunted together. We were very serious ball turkey hunt. And, you know, the deal was, you know, we started out with a crow call. Now, what do you think? We, what do you mean a crow call? Well, when we we would split a flock of turkeys, that's how we pinpointed each guy. So when we set up, we would blow the crow call. So mm-hmm. basically for safety reasons. So we knew yeah. which where everybody was. Yeah. And the deal was, is when that dominant bird started to talk, whether it could be a hen, most of the time it was the mature, the dominant hen or mother hen, but there was times it was also a dominant Jake. If you were the closest guy to that bird, when that bird started to talk, you weren't doing no shooting. It was your job to get that turkey out of there. Mm. We want, so then when we went from the crow call, when we went to two-way radios, <laughs> game changer. <laughs> oh, bet. You know, because then you could communicate, you know. But at that time, you know, that's what we done, and it was very effective and stuff when we fall hunted that way. But now, I tell everybody now, a kiki run on these birds that I'm hunting around my home and, and most places that I've hunted anymore, kiki runs a thing of the past in the fall. And the reason I'm saying that is, is back at that time period, back in the 80s, the first coyote I ever seen in the woods was 1980 in New York State. I never seen one here at home, but now we got them everywhere. Mm. And so when these birds are hatched now, from the time we get to hunt them this spring or this, this fall, they have already got their PhD and their master degree in how to keep their mouth shut. Yeah. And what I'm saying is, is these guys that think fall turkey hunting is easy on young turkeys and stuff. I want to tell you something. I've had flocks of first year birds up here that I have gotten good breaks on and you not get a peep out of them. If you ain't got a response in, in a half an hour, 45 minutes, you're wasting your time. You might as well go hunt, hunt another group of birds because you're most likely not going to see anything. And mm-hmm. they've adapted from predator pressures, coyotes and everything else that's chasing them from the time they come out of the egg till we get to hunt them, they know to keep their mouth shut. And that's the difference, the main difference on hunting fall turkeys now and fall hunting turkeys in the 80s and 90s because the birds were way more vocal at that time period than what they are now. And that's one of the main reasons I thought, you know, well, I mean, I mean, after all these years of hunting fall turkey and stuff, you know, I've, I've shot enough, I've shot enough young birds and stuff, you know, back in my early days and stuff. And back in them days, Parker Whedon, Don Sitton, the guys down South that made wing bones and stuff. Well, to make a good wing bone, you need a hen bone. 
you guys don't have enough all seasons. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my wing bones went to Parker Whedon and Don Sitton and stuff like that. I mean, I had all my buddies, taxidermists, anybody that shot a fall turkey, they saved the wings from me. And I know for years I supplied them guys with a lot of wing bones to make wing bone turkey calls, you know, and, but like I said, nowadays, I don't even, I don't even, it ain't, don't get me wrong. If I see a flock of young birds and stuff, I'll split them just to hear, see if, see what they'll do and hear them call. But I can tell you right now, you don't get that kind of stuff that you used to get out of them. You know, it's almost like, I call it, it's almost like trying to pull teeth now. You know, these birds, these birds, it's amazing how they've adapted to predator pressure in the last 10, 15 years. That's interesting. So it, it, it is definitely, guys think, well, them young birds are, no, ain't no, uh, I don't care who you are. I don't care. I don't care if you're the, the a 10 time grand national champion. You split a flock of young birds and they've been pressured. Good luck at calling them in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're almost, really... these young birds nowadays are almost like mature gobblers. They're trying <laughs> to get something out of them, you know. That's pretty interesting because it makes sense. I mean, if there weren't any coyotes or bobcats, then making sound wasn't near the risk that it is now. So the ones yeah. that are vocal probably are not around by the time you get to hunt them anyway. <laughs> well, that's. That's what I laugh about a, a, a fly down cackle in a turkey calling contest. Them guys do all that stuff on the limb, and then they do a fly down. It sounds like they're flying from this mountain to that mountain. <laughs> then after they hit the ground, they do a little bit of calling. Well, in the real world, if a turkey called like that, there'd be something sitting at the bottom of that tree waiting for it to fly down, and that would be ringing a dinner bell, wouldn't you think? <laughs> you know, so. That's the reality between what happens in the woods and what happens on the stage. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard a uh, turkey do a fly down cackle in 30 years. Well, and, you know, and I don't hear it that much in the spring. When I do hear more of it, believe it or not, is when you get fall, fall birds when they fly to roost, they'll do that same thing when they fly up in a tree. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I hear that more so when they're going to roost than what they ever do when they're coming down. Yeah. Yeah, I can't Same remember the last experience. time I ever tried a, a cackle on a spring gobbler because I finally came to the. I used to do it all the time, then I came to the realization I was like, you know, I don't ever hear a real hen do this. Why the heck am I doing it? Well, and another thing of it is, especially if I if I'm set up on a gobbler and I know where he's been roosted at and stuff in the morning and stuff, and if he gobbles on the tree, I don't call to him because if you've had this happen, if you do call to him. Then he sits there longer, and he keeps gobbling, and he keeps gobbling, and he gobbles, and he gobbles, and gobbles, and he never comes off the tree. Well, what that does is around here, that usually ends up that you got somebody else sitting there waiting for him to fly down also, you know. Yeah. So I don't want him drawing any more attention to him until he hits the ground. Yeah. That, that gobble doesn't carry nearly as far from the ground either. No, no, no. Well, I always was a firm believer that, you know, roost goblin don't do you no bit of good. It's ground goblin where you got to kill turkeys, you know, yep. so, and yep. like I said, but. That's interesting. Yeah. What is your, so you travel and fall hunt still every year? Yes, I do. I, you, I mean, I, one time I was hunting five states in the fall, um, wow. but I mean, I've, I've cut back a little bit, you know, especially the last three years now, you know. You know, I had two boys and raised two boys and stuff, and, and I was very fortunate that I had a good wife that, that would let me do that and stuff. But things have changed in the last three years, and that's called grandkids, <laughs> you know. So 
that's a big difference in a, in a person's life and stuff, you know, but I mean, I still, I still usually hunt two to three states a year in the fall. And, um, you know, so, I mean, like I said, I don't do it as much as what I used to and stuff, but I still go after them. Heck yeah. Awesome. I'd rather hunt in the fall than I would the spring. And I've always said this for every 10 spring gobblers I shot, I'd give them up to shoot one fall gobbler. Is it because of the challenge? Well, I tell you what stuck with me, and it goes back to Didi. And in my county at that time, and I know Pat Strauser, you know, Pat Strauser was from down where Didi lived, you know, and you guys know Pat stuff. But in my county at the time, we had a local paper that come out every, every, middle of every week and and there always these guys would always put turkey pictures and stuff in there and at that time period there was probably only two guys in the county that would consistently kill a fall gobbler every year indeed he was one of them and so when he we he told me he said and this is his exact words when you die and they put turkey hunter on your tombstone they can't put that on there until you've called in and shot and the adult fall gobbler. <laughs> he said, he said, there is no harder thing to do in turkey hunting to harvest, call in and harvest an adult fall gobbler because there's no sex drive like yeah. it's in spring. Yeah. And you got to do your homework. You got to know how to talk to them. And it's, it's, the, he, it was to him, it was the biggest challenge in turkey hunting by far. And like I said, I only knew two guys that consistently did that every fall in my county. And one of those guys I actually hunted with and hunted my area that I hunted with, you know, so I learned a lot from him and stuff like that there and stuff. And like I said, you know, but that, that was the, if I have one thing that stuck with me from D.D. Adams, that was it right there. And that's why, and like I said, I didn't, I didn't do, I started doing it and I started doing it. And then, like I said, I hunted for a few years before I even got my first one. But once I killed that first one, I took it down and I showed it to him. I wasn't far from his house when I killed that gobbler. Mm-hmm. And when I showed him that first fall gobbler, then he opened up because that was his thing, you know. And then I learned a lot from that point on. And well, he wanted you to do it on your own first before he'd well, share anything. Pretty, pretty much, pretty much. That yeah, I, You know, after these years, the more I thought about it and stuff, that would have been the right way. You know, to yeah. have somebody take you out there and hold your hand and, and do it like out there, you know, you're most likely not going to learn nothing, you know? Yeah. And um, it's just it's just like when I sell that gobbler call, I tell guys, I said, you get a bird that, you, that you're having trouble with and you run everything you've run before, try that gobbler call. You won't believe the guys has called me and said, man, you're right about that, that gobbler stuff. I said, are you going to let it at home now or are you going to take it all the time? And the, the the responses I got from that is unbelievable. That podcast you done that we done at Unicoi was amazing. But I'm gonna tell you something. I've already been down this street with this stuff long before that because you're making turkey calls and you look at Facebook, eBay, and you see guys that built calls and they're being resold. I've had very few things that's been resold. <laughs> And and the thing of it is, is if your stuff's any good, you don't need to advertise. That is the first advertisement that that what we did last year was the first thing anything was ever done with that. I I, I didn't do shows other than Unicoi. I started doing Unicoi, but I'm relatively new at Unicoi. 
but I didn't go to set up and do stuff like that there and stuff and, and advertise. I didn't have to advertise. Word of mouth yeah. is what sold me turkey calls. And and like I said, when when you when you reach that point, when when you when you're building calls and when you think that you've reached the point that you're a successful call maker, it's on your resale value. Yeah. And you don't you don't see your stuff showing up on eBay and Facebook or anything like that. Now, granted, someday I may be gone. And you get, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I've, I don't think my stuff's going to be worth anything, but who's to say it won't be, you know, but the thing of it is, is the guys that, the guys that have made them phone calls and sent me them pictures. Matter of fact, I just had one today. Uh, he got, he got the call that I ran at Unicoi. This guy called me last week. He's from Virginia and he's, he was a very, very serious fall turkey hunter. And he called me and he, he said, uh, he told me his age, and I said, well, we're the same age. And he said, you know what? He said, if I'd have had this thing 25 years ago, there would have been a lot more dead turkeys. <laughs> and I said, do you like that thing? He said, I want to tell you right now. He said, them four strikers you sent with that? And he he's in the, the seminar. Now, what I didn't tell you, I might have told Craig, but what I, what I didn't tell you was, is I had so many guys call me about that seminar, and they couldn't see a close up of my hands and exactly where I held and how I cupped that all, right. you know, call and the original one we did at Unicorn. So mm-hmm. what I went back and done is I did my own little setup and I sent one of you that the other day where I actually do a close up and how, how I hold the call and how I pull yeah. different things out of that call. Yeah. You sent it to me. Yeah. Well, now what did you think when you got it? Uh, Texted you immediately and probably about to buy a second call from you because I want the one with the Kiki <laughs> well, striker. <laughs> now, have you seen have you seen anybody else that would sit down and go with you through what I did and 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 that sound clip that I sent you? Would you have picked that out on your own? No, and I don't plan to share that with anybody. So. <laughs> <laughs> Especially nobody in my hometown. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you know, you know, that's what I want to first build. My, that's what I'm first built my long box. And, and guys, I didn't show anybody. I didn't show anybody within within 20 minutes of my home that <laughs> long box for about five years. Because I didn't want anybody else having it. You know what I mean? I mean, there's some <laughs> things you got to keep secret. You know what I mean? <laughs> this will be another one of the clips that lays on the editing room floor right here. Yeah. You know? <laughs> And like I said, you know, sending that to you, if I would have just sent you the call, even yeah. if you would have put the time in with it, how long would it have taken you to pick up everything that I did when I sent you that clip? Uh, a long was, time. I mean, so I, I cut I cut your learning curve down a lot by sending that to you. Yeah, I mean, as and, far as the how to sand the call in certain regions and leaving the residue on the striker, I mean, it just... Yeah. That would have taken well, that, that, years to figure it, out. Right, right. And it's like the white dot for 12 o'clock. Yeah. Now, I didn't show anybody that. I, I, I did that on my personal stuff. But when we when Andy did the, the filming at Unicoi, that did show up on, on, on your first cut of that, okay? And what happened to me was, is you don't know how many guys had seen that said, now, what's that white dot on your call? Well, from that point on, I put it on all of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because because that was my reference point, like I said, on one side of the call, the 9 o'clock side, 
I got it polished so I can hit them keys. And then the right side of the call on the three o'clock side, I got it roughed up so I can yelp. You know, and I used to go and I donated a lot of calls to NWTF banquets and stuff. Well, granted, I ain't going to sit there and prep every call that I sell to key it. Not at that time I did. But I guarantee you, when I pulled that thing out of my pocket, the left side of that call was slicked up. So when I hit that key in front of 200 people, it worked. You know what I mean? You know, because believe me, if you're running a call in front of a bunch of people, they're going to know when you screw up, (laughs) you know, so you better make sure you got everything in, you know, your ducks in a row when you do that. So now, now I do that to, I prep every one of them calls that way when I send them out now. Well, I'll be hopefully getting one of those soon with the other strikers. Yeah. And also to our listeners, there are two free Roger Parks calls available. You just have to find them. One is in the Northeast by a tree. There's probably some dark feathers (laughs) beside it. And one is out West in Merriam's country with some white tip feathers by it. You just got to go find them. They're probably a little weathered, but they may have. Well, I will, I will tell you that's very possible because Rob Keck one time lost a DD item single slate in the woods and about 20 years later, a guy found it, and oh Rob got it back. Now, it wasn't in the shape, but it was when Rob lost it. Sure. But he got, the piece of, he got the piece of slate back that was signed on the bottom. Now, what was the coincidence of, the, you know, of a guy finding that and then getting a hold of Rob and Rob getting it back? You know what I mean? So anything's possible. Yeah. Well. If you but find I like Roger Parks Gobbler call in Northeast, please give me a call. <laughs> I love I love you guys that lose stuff because that's just more money in my pocket. <laughs> Absolutely, you're looking at customer A A over here. Like I'm your man. Uh, Tamra, not to be your hero then, Roger. Yeah, you got you got one saw, sold every fall for the rest of your life, as long as I can keep hunting. Well, that's one. That's just money in the bank, I guess. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> that would be that yeah. is funny. That's uh, that's crazy about Keck losing that call and getting it back. I I lost my wallet one time and a guy found it by the tree. He he was set up well, on the same what? tree and said he looked down. Speaking <laughs> of losing things losing things in, in the woods, you know. Now I'm pretty fortunate. I I only thing I ever think I ever lost as far as I lost a wing bone one time. I had it on a lanyard and the knot come loose and I never did find that, even though I was pretty confident of where I lost it at. I even went up after hunting season, took a leaf blur and blowed all the leaves off and still didn't find it. But anyways, mm. I'll never forget. It was in uh, Ohio one year. And I walked up, more, you know, it was in the spring, and I seen where a guy, you know, how a guy will clean leaves out around the bottom of the tree and sat there. Yeah. Well, I looked there, and there was an empty shotgun shell casing. I picked it up, and you could still smell the powder in it. So I figured, you know, somebody shot a turkey there. But they're like a dollar bill. So I would lose a dollar bill. So I picked it up, you know, stuck it in my pocket. Well, a couple of weeks later, I was in Tennessee. And I'm walking down the road, walking down a logging road. And I could see where a guy stopped along the tree and, and was sitting there. Well, I didn't go too much far, and I found another dollar bill. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what the hell is the odds of finding two dollar bills laying in the woods like that? I said, I wish these guys would stop dark dropping these dollar bills and start dropping hundred dollar bills, then it would really be good, you know, <laughs> but I kept them. I kept them two dollar bills 
And the one that I found with the shotgun shell, I got it sitting over here and them $2 bills are, I, I, I'll never spend them $2 bills. I'll keep them in that shell because, I, I mean, that was just something really odd that sometimes you find in the woods like that there. That's pretty wild. Two in a row. Maybe it's the same yep. guy. You're just chasing him. You, y'all, y'all like uh, the same areas, apparently. Well, I don't know. You know, I try to avoid anybody that I can. That's one thing about it, you know. Yeah. I mean, other than hunting with my boys, I'm pretty much a loner. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, I mean, I, I enjoy hunting with other people, but when it boils right down to it, I'd rather hunt by myself. And I had dog. I had a, a good turkey dog at one time. And I loved hunting with that dog in the fall. Um, but still, um, when I had to put that dog down, that was the worst thing I had ever went through. And I've had a couple since I, I didn't eat, I didn't hunt them, but I, I enjoyed hunting them both ways. Um, hunting with a dog is, is a lot different. The best part about hunting with a good turkey dog is, is you don't, if you don't kill turkeys, just the enjoyment of watching that dog work is, yeah, is number one. Yeah, and that definitely. was that was the best part about hunting with a dog. Yeah, and yeah. um, but I can but, see that. But still, I enjoy the one-on-one part of it more more so than anything. And um, you know, but hunting with a dog, there's a there's you know, it's become since they legalized it here and stuff. You know, some guys don't want to hunt no way but with a dog. And I don't disclaim them for that because I've done it both ways, and and uh, and there's pluses and minuses to both. But um, like I said, the biggest thing with a dog is watching the dog work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. some enjoyment in that. Yeah. Well, one thing with a dog, when you go through an area, and if you don't get no flushes, most likely that dog ain't gonna miss anything if it's a good dog, because yeah. if they're in there, he's gonna he's gonna find them. You know. I know, I know, I know when I, there's been times when I hunted with a dog that, that I walk by turkeys and that dog did not miss them, you know? And another thing is with a dog is, is even if you would, I mean, my dog that I had, I couldn't tell you how many spring gobblers that dog found for guys that had rolled spring gobblers and didn't get them. Oh, they'd, wow. call me, they'd call me and we'd take that dog back out. And I don't know how many birds Parker found for other guys later on that day you know Man, but they were grateful oh yeah yeah well those guys those guys the only thing they had to worry about because they didn't mess with them in the fall but they better be making phone calls to somebody when they see them big ones in the fall that was yeah. that was their favorite yeah, yeah. <laughs> i bet there, there's two ways you got to work this deal you know especially with you know guys that bow hunting or i mean i've put more than one guy on some pretty good bucks you know, so paybacks is, is, you know, the alternative. No doubt. No doubt. Roger, man, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you yeah. taking time out of your well, evening. I appreciate, to come on the show I appreciate what you guys done for me and stuff. Like I said, that was, that was uh, a very, very busy year for me. And I had a couple of guys say, well, I'd seen you on Facebook or anything for a while. I said, I hadn't had to be on Facebook, <laughs> you know, so yeah. that was a big, that was a big help for me. Well, but you're welcome. We we appreciate what you do for hunting and turkey hunting and building calls for saps like me who just can't get enough of it. Well, I like mean, <laughs> I will say one thing about building calls. If and, and most people that know me, there ain't no beef bull comes from here. If I tell you something, it's something that I done in the woods. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm not going to add to it. 
and stuff. And then most people that know me really well know that's how I am. And I try to treat everybody the same way they treat me. But, you know, don't ever screw me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> because that, that can, you know, I had some instances where a, a guy took something that I'd done with and I just called him up and I said, listen, buddy, I said, you know, you, you may not know me. We said, I've heard of you. And I said, well, I want to know you something. I want to tell you something. I've been doing this for over 30 years. And I said, I have sold turkey calls all over this country. And I said, pretty much every contest caller at one time or another has bought something from me. And I said, so you can continue to do what you want to do, or I could put the word out and make it hard for you. So I said, just do the right thing. And that's just the way I am. You know, I didn't, I didn't get on Facebook and blow it all up because I'm not that type of person. You know, I try to handle stuff person to person Mm -hmm. and, you know. I think that's what's a a lot of things that's wrong with this country nowadays, you know? And so anyways, but you know, I I can tell you one thing, if you call me tomorrow and you need help on doing something or something that you can't figure out how to do a turkey call or something that you need help with, I'd be willing to help you, but don't sneak around me and do something, you know, to say, I per se, I already done. All you got to do is call and ask. I ain't got no problem with it. It's just like I said before, if you're building a pot call now and you're putting a soundboard in it, who are you copying it from? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you look at how many guys that are building cost boxes. Okay. Well, where did they get that style call from? From Neil Cost. Basically, everybody, I don't care whether you're changing your checkering this way or this way or doing that. Basically, that call's coming from Neil. You know what I mean? So I'll put it to you this way you look at all the awards the call maker awards that are done at WTF, those people have set standards in call making. I'll ask you the question. Do you think it's possible that there'll be something new come out in the turkey call industry that'll get that guy on that stage at Nashville as a call maker that Neil Cost, Dee Dee Adams, Gibson, Lynch, Jordan, Turpin? Is there anybody, do you think that's ever possible to get the names with them guys right there? Something new to come out. I don't think it is. I mean, stuff that these so. guys are make, making nowadays, you know, um, is there anything new that's going to come out? that's going to completely change the turkey call industry, you know? Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I don't see it. I don't but, see how. Yeah. You know, it's like the other day, and I, I tried to call him tonight, but Bill Hinkle put something on Facebook about the Holy Grail turkey calls. Is, is it? Is there a holy grail in turkey calls? And I thought, well, you know, that's a pretty good question. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't think there is. Myself, personally, I don't think there is. But I'll never forget. I mean, I spent, I was fortunate enough to spend 12 years. I'd always go up late season and hunt up with Earl Mickle. And Earl's thing was, at the end of the day, he would go around and criteria everybody on everything they'd done wrong and this and that, you know, and stuff. And one day Earl said, what's the most important thing in Turkey? And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, and of course I had my answer and everybody went around the table and Earl was the last one. And he says, the most important thing in Turkey hunting is having a good place to hunt. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, you know, thinking about that. Well, that's, that's it. That's the best answer I could, you could ever want to have because <laughs> you ever go to Nashville and you see these guys carrying oodles of spurs around their neck 
Yeah. I'll never forget one year I went there. This guy had more spurs around his neck than, than now I'm thinking, man, but this guy was 350 pounds <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm looking at this guy and I'm looking at this spur, these spurs. And I'm thinking, well, he ain't from my, from central Pennsylvania because there's no way a guy get up them hills at that kind of weight. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking at him. I got to get to know him because that big of a guy, if he killed all them turkeys, he's got a good place to hunt, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so I, I, like I said, I will never forget when, when Earl Mickle said that I cannot think of a better reason for being successful in turkey hunting than having a good place to hunt. That's very true. Now I'll put it to you this way. I don't know many good turkey hunters from the state of Alaska. Do you? I've, I've never met one, but that doesn't mean there is not one. <laughs> no, but no but I mean, they, they're not killing any turkeys in Alaska. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, so, practiced up there. Right, right, right. And that's one thing that I will say about fall hunting, that some of the best turkey hunters I know were serious fall turkey hunters because it goes back and you can ask anybody that's had a good turkey dog. And I had a friend in Virginia that had some good ones. And this is what he told me. The more feathers you put in that dog's mouth, better that dog's going to hunt. And that ain't any different than a turkey hunter. The more experience that you got birds in front of you, the better turkey hunter you're going to be. So if you ain't got a chance to fall hunt, you're missing out on a lot more experience than a, than a fall hunter has when it comes to your spring hunting. You know, and that's just that's just fact. Yeah, I don't I don't doubt it at all. Yeah. It just makes more sense. The more time you get in the woods chasing birds, the more time you get with a turkey collar in your mouth. Yep. The better you're going to be. Well. Like I said, I, I'll never forget the time that I went to Alabama and hunted with a guy, and it was cold that morning. And the experiences I've hunted down there that I've had up here, you get a morning where there's frost, no, no knock the bark off the trees. But what I experienced in the south is, to, for me, the birds just didn't seem to gobble that well first thing in the morning. Now, as it warmed up, then they would pick up. Well, we didn't hear nothing the first two hours of the morning, and then a you know, by nine o'clock, you almost got a 20 degree change in the weather. And, and we get on to some birds and we just go on and go on. And I think what was going on that morning was, is we would walk 150 yards, get a bird to gobble. I think we were, we were trying to pin one bird, but we were actually getting more than one bird to gobble. But anyways, after, I don't know how far we walked, it was a good way. Finally, we get into a, got out of pines and got into hardwood bottom. And the guy I was hunting with, he hit, he hit a, a, a little Ron Brothers box, and that was the first time a bird cut the call close. We, we could we got a setup, and so it was his sandbox. So I said, "You go ahead and do the call." So he called again, nothing, not not a peep. And he is very very good on a diaphragm call. His his low end calling, his soft calling on a diaphragm is as good as anybody that I've heard in the woods. And when he hit him with that, turkey never gobbled. He backed to that wrong box, nothing. He threw his hands up, he looks over at me, and I'm sitting about 10, 15 yards from him. He throws his hands up. I just give him a sign. I said, hold on a minute. And I looked at him, and I said, are you done screwing around? <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you get this northern, southern thing going, and the first thing he says that said to me, he says, hey, I've had it, Yankee. <laughs> and so, anyway, so I thought, okay, so... I ain't going to tell you know what I pulled out. And 
I did a three note gobbler yelp. And when I, when I did that last yelp to the right of me, a bird gobbled. Now I mentioned this in the, the seminar that we did at Unicoi. I don't call it to them right away. I call it making them sweat. Mm-hmm. I'll wait 30 seconds before I respond. And when I responded to them the second time, I did a single gobbler yelp. Just start to drag that right across the center of the call, drag it and break it off into a yuck. And when I did that to the right of me, two of them gobbled. So I waited another 30 seconds. I hit a three note, two to the right gobbled, one straight down from me gobbled. So there were three of them in there. <clears throat> so I didn't say nothing. And when I was waiting on my next step, and there was a point of a ridge to our left, well, one gobbled bow on his own up on that point. So you got four gobblers in that hardwood bottom. Well, the one up on the point come halfway down the hill, gobbled on his own. So I singer gobbler yelped to him. And when I did the all four gobbler, I laid the call down. I never said another word till 15 minutes later. And that one that came down the hill came in and I killed him. And the guy that was with me said, you got any more of them with you? And I said, I laughed. I said, depends on, depends on whether you learned something. And he says, what do you mean? I said, what happened here? We said, I know you, you ran that gobbler stuff. And I said, yes, I did. But I said, what happened here? I said, there's, there's a reason why there's four gobblers in this bottom. And I said, we didn't hear nothing in the morning and we should have been able to hear these birds. I said, the reason we didn't hear nothing, they'd have to gobble. They had hens with them in the morning. And I said, when we come in here, and you got that first response. That was basically a shot gobble, but you couldn't get nothing out of them after that. Believe me, they know what hens are in here, and they know each one of them gobbler knows who's who. They know each other by name. And I said, when I hit them with that gobbler stuff, new kid on the playground. Yeah. And and you remember if remember when you was in grade school and the new kid showed up that day, and the first day you went out on the playground, everybody wanted to beat that kid up, right? Absolutely. Ain't any different than ain't any different than what happened there. Packing order. Yeah. You know, so they were coming looking to you think, well, hey, there's a new guy in here. We don't want him in here with our girlfriends. And that's exactly what happened there. Yeah. And so Philip got one of them cows. He killed two more of them gobblers out of that same spot. He tagged out after I left and he killed two more of them gobblers and and so that's just, you know, that's a case in point where and ain't the first time that's ever happened. I've had more than we could sit. We could sit here and talk all night on scenarios and stuff that I've done. That especially, you know, in, in, in the southern part of the states where you don't get that kind of talk to birds, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Man, there've been some great tips and great lessons to be learned from this, and just so thankful. I've been well, chatting I, I with you again. What I, I appreciate what you guys do and and what you did for me and stuff and and um it's 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 not all about selling turkey calls you know the money the money and the selling turkey calls is isn't what what it's about i mean I'm sure you could talk to other call makers there's many invites that I could go to and hunt all over the country and and get into some good places to turkey hunting there ain't no way I could do that no. With, with the invite, I mean, the, the paybacks that you get, and the, it's all about the people you meet and stuff. Yeah. And I've met a lot of good people over the years, you know, and, and oh, stuff yeah. like that. You know, that's that's what it's basically all about. Yeah, there's definitely some great people in the industry and some great call makers. 
He's just good guys, yeah. good person. And there's a lot of well. there's a lot of people there's a lot of people you know that like I said you know I, I'm willing to help anybody if they're willing to learn. You know what I mean? And that's sure. one thing. You know, got why why would you show these guys this stuff? Well, one of the main reasons why I showed I don't know. And you guys probably see more of it than I do, but. Do you know anybody that's done and said what I what I've told you tonight and what I did in that podcast? Is there anybody out there promoting a turkey call that way? No. So when I'm going, it, it would be a lost thing. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's yeah. something that you know that my boys know what it is and stuff and and you know, but whether they whether they would even think about continuing anything like that or not. But anyways. They they they've seen firsthand what happens, you know. And like I said, um, that podcast was was it, it basically left it out of the bag. And I can honestly tell you to this point right now, from January fifteenth until today, you're looking at about four hundred of them that was been sold. So, wow! Wow! So it, it's been pretty good, you know. Yeah. Well, good. Hopefully, we'll get four hundred more by January again. No, 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 no. I, I tell you right now, that ain't going to happen. It's it's <laughs> orders from here on out because the middle of October, I'm going to hunt. <laughs> there you go. I get you. So, there you go. So, anyways, I, I never had to do a list for turkey calls. Never had and never would have wanted to consider. I always tried to have stuff available when somebody called. But those kind of numbers, and then I had some family issues in the spring running the nursing homes and hospitals and rehab facilities with a relative and stuff. It was, I mean, there was just no way I could keep up. And so I had to, I had to do the list list. and it's something that I never wanted to do, but I didn't really have a choice, you know, Mm -hmm. but I just be honest with you. I just finally got everybody caught up and I may have missed some people. I mean, I just couldn't, you know, trying to answer phones and get back to people and stuff may have missed some people and stuff, but, you know, I tried to do a pretty decent job of getting a hold or at least returning phone calls and stuff. But it was it was a very busy from June to this point was very busy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, enjoy your fall turkey season. Thank yeah. you for coming on here with us. I hope you well, strike many fall gobblers throughout the October. Well, if I do, if I do, yeah, I'll, I'll send you a picture or let you know. But oh, you know, this, that's one thing. That. That's one thing I will say about fall turkey hunting. There's no guarantees. That's you a know? fact. And uh, especially when it comes to to those big guys in the fall, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just like I tell everybody, fall turkey hunting's terrible. It's just awful. You really don't want to do well, it. I don't know if you caught what I said in the thing when I did it to Unicoi. When somebody asked me about fall turkey hunting, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should title this show "Fall Turkey Hunting Sucks." Andy, I there like you it. go. That that would be that would be a perfect headline. But I don't know. Is that more make clickbait? Sure, make sure you make sure you copyright that too, because I don't want anybody using it. Yeah, put it on a T-shirt. Larry Prophet says, you know what Larry Prophet says? They don't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) I like Larry Prophet. That guy's awesome. Well, there's a guy right there that's very hard on him in the fall. Yeah. And I was very, I'm very, very fortunate to have known him for 25 years. 
and spent a lot of time with him. And that guy right there has done it, has lived it and done it. And I, I mean, he, between him and Didi and a local guy here, I owe a lot to those three guys for what I've learned. And, you know, Larry, Larry is a serious fall turkey hunter and he's very consistent at what he does. And so I, like I said, I got nothing good to say about him. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Thank you guys. And anytime, um, it's been good. And like I said, I appreciate what you've done for me. Well, Absolutely. we appreciate you. We'll check in. All right. Well, you, got, you guys take care. You too. Man. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the stuff you guys, <laughs> some of the stuff you guys will never hear. <laughs> uh. And, you know, I've got this golden rule in life. If you cannot laugh at yourself, you are not allowed to laugh at others. So That's that fact. laugh, that laugh was me laughing at myself. And it was while we were on the break. But now we're back. And that was good <laughs> stuff with Roger, man. Oh, that was a great, great show. I'm, I'm glad we got to have a long talk with him and do a two-part series to get... You know, those who do fall turkey hunt fired up for the fall season that are coming up in many states and have started in some states, you know, far north, they're, they're hitting fall right now. Absolutely. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. I know I did reach out to Roger, buy some turkey calls. Sounds like several of y'all already have. <laughs> yeah. From a previous show. Yeah. I got a message on IG from Cole Ashworth and... He says, hi, Andy, love the podcast. I haven't caught this week's Roger Parks episode yet. I've been wanting to get in touch with Mr. Parks about purchasing a gobbler slate that he makes. Didn't know if you happen to have his information to do so. Well, part two, we share that, don't we? Yeah. 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 Find him, Roger Parks, on Facebook, too, is easy. That's how I contact him. He gets right back to you pretty fast. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Contact him on there and get your call he's he's all he's building them get you a yeah. call. it's two different kinds i'm i'm have an order in for the second one right now the double-sided one i have a single-sided and a double-sided so after three to four hunts i'll probably have neither but <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to at least have two now <laughs> yeah yeah, you ought to take a picture with both of those because it it <laughs> will be the only recorded instance of you having two of those calls. When when his, his calls become like ridiculously expensive in fifty years or something, and I'll have that picture to look back on and be like, yeah, guys, this is before I went hunting with. Them. Yeah. Now now they're sitting by a tree somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> with three empty holes <laughs> and my hat. <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed that, you know, and we got to have a good laugh at what Andy did off the break there, but I don't know if you realize, Andy, you kind of left a little something in two weeks ago's episode, the episode of Scott. Did I? Yeah, um, you left a little beep in there for me. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be cut out. I was listening to it. I was like, oh, crap, he left that in there. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what all the laughing was about this time is I, I didn't just do a beep. So I did a beep and a serenade. Yeah, it just went on 
and on and it had a little vibrato in it and just finished out i mean it was it was beautiful it was beautiful so that's why we're doing a podcast the only way we're going to get heard on the radio is through podcasting (laughs) (laughs) that is a fact yes indeed well maybe i'll go back and take that beep out that's all right we can leave it just keep people on their toes they never know what they're going to hear yeah and you know it's just part of what goes into making a show we record the intro and the outro together at the same time the interviews usually done at a separate time and we piece them together the way we separate the intro and the outros to throw a little beep in between them and every once in a while you guys get to hear it (laughs) well i'm gonna let them hear the favorite of the week for me it's gonna be similar to the last week's for me Saturday, this Saturday, should be two days after you guys hear this. If you're in West Tennessee or nearby, we're going to be hosting kids at the Jackson Fairgrounds in Jackson, Tennessee. The Jackson Fairgrounds starting at 8 a.m. going to 11-ish o'clock for a fishing rodeo. We're dumping a whole truck load of catfish in the pond in front of the Jackson Fairgrounds. Bring your own bait and pole. You can catch all the freaking fish you want. We'll have prizes. TWRA is going to have like a trailer set up with all kind of mounts, local wildlife. We're probably going to have either a BB gun or archery range set up for the kids. It's just going to be a fun time. It'll be a great time to get kids outside on a fall morning to be outdoors instead of sitting around watching TV or playing video games. So, yeah, bring them on. That's going to be Saturday. This Saturday, the 30th, starting about 8 o'clock. If you don't get there till 9 or whatever, that's fine. We're going to be there for two or three hours. That sounds like a lot of fun. And, yeah, there's there's nothing better than taking a kid out to do something like that. I mean, that's that's awesome that you guys are doing that. So, yeah, if you're in the area, do take advantage of it. It'll be a, a heck of a good time. Yeah, please do. Hope to see you there. If you know you're coming, shoot me a message or email let me know does miss josie have a fishing hat <laughs> i don't think miss josie's gonna be going this year she'll what? be there she, well she might be there but she's not gonna fish she did i did catch a largemouth bass like let her touch on it and stuff and she did like it a lot oh cool but we can get her a fishing hat that's for sure i can't get her a little hat but we gotta get these molars up and out first yeah <laughs> yeah well good deal all right sweet wrap it on up let's do it thank you guys so much for tuning in this week we know that you have choices we appreciate you spending your time with us we hope you have a wonderful week and we look forward to seeing you again next week goodbye goodbye thanks for tuning in you were just listening to the turkey hunter podcast if you enjoyed the show please go on over to itunes and leave a five-star review And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.